You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. It is a wild time of year. We've got the government stimulus just came out, the annual NFL economic stimulus, and March Madness staring us in the face. Want to bring in my partner, as always, Alex Kavtoff here. I know he's done some different things as far as the NCAA tournament, and maybe uh, you can share some of that with us. Alex, what's going on, man? So I'm obviously diving deep into the NFL draft, but yesterday I had some time and a couple of my friends, they decided to do a pool, the NCAA pool, and they said, hey, do you want to join? And I said, yeah, sure. So I figured I want to win this thing. I haven't been part of a pool in about five or six years or so. I wanted to take it a step further. So last night, had some time, crunched some numbers, you know, did some analytical work, and I created an algorithm uh, when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Basically, all the games, uh, I put all the teams out there, and the main goal was I wanted to go further. I wanted to nail those final four teams, and I'm pretty happy with the way it turned out. Today, I, I joined that pool, and, and then I filled out another five brackets or so, hoping to, to get rich. But uh, it, it was just a lot of fun, just the whole process. I've never done an algorithm like this before. I'm not a big analytics guy when it comes to the NFL draft, but I figured, hey, with the NCAA tournament, I got to try something new, and I got to be a, ahead of you know 99% of the people out there. Well, this is breaking news. I mean, we typically aren't a news outlet, pretty much just sharing our opinions on stuff that happens, but Alex breaking into the analytics. I like it. This may start to seep into your draft analysis. We'll have to wait and see. But I guess one of the, I guess the big stories is that, and no secret to anyone. I think everybody knew Drew Brees was about to hang it up. He made it official. Just an, an amazing guy, high school quarterback in, in Texas, to a you know shorter guy in, at, at Purdue. Brought his team to a Rose Bowl and won it. Just a, a great dude, great player. Several pages in the NFL record book is, is attributed to him. Now, some people might say, hey, he only won one Super Bowl, but it was an amazing Super Bowl. It was uh, what that city needed at the right time. He may be you know, one of the greatest free agent signings ever. I mean, we're, you know, right now, just, you know, during the... Uh, we're recording a few hours before the league year starts. All these deals are being announced, but you know, even with these included, I think uh, you know Breeze's signing may be one of the top ones ever. I mean, Brady's up there, Reggie White, yeah, Drew Breeze, and what he's done for the smaller quarterbacks. I mean, I don't. Without Drew Breeze's success, you know, do we see Russell? Do we see Baker Mayfield? Do we see Kyler Murray? Hard to say, but just. Um, just a real stand-up dude, uh, played the right way, and just, uh, you know, hey, sure, surefire Hall of Famer, of course. Couldn't have said it any better, Hello, I just think that there's definitely a lot of high praise going on with, with Drew Brees and what he's been able to accomplish, and now he's going in the booth. 
I think he's going to be fantastic in that job. And him and Sean Payton, that was just one of the best quarterback, head coach, offensive play caller duos in the entire league. And I'm sure Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes will have something to say about that over some time. But I just think that was a perfect match. And can you imagine if if he would have gone to the Miami Dolphins instead of the New Orleans Saints? Would he have had that success without Sean Payton? I'm not sure. So it just it clicked all at the right time, and he did put up some huge numbers. And I don't think we're going to see another guy like Drew Brees. I mean, the game is changing nowadays. Look at how a lot of the people are skeptical about a guy like Mac Jones. This dying breed of quarterbacks, you know, the Drew Breeses, the Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady's, guys that are pocket quarterbacks, I think, you know, in about 10 years, these guys are going to be instinct. Well, a, a six-foot-tall pocket quarterback at that. I mean, that's what you, anytime you see an undersized quarterback, I mean, anymore, it's like, well, they got to have the legs, they got to be able to move and everything else. So, uh, yeah, at that time, and you mentioned Peyton, they got there at the same time. You know, post Katrina, I mean, that team meant so much to that city, and, and just the, when when they came back, when they came back, and they, you know, for that, I don't think one year they weren't able to play in the in the Superdome because of all the damage. And when they came back, that game against Atlanta, I mean, it was just a, amazing. And everybody will remember the the punt block by Steve Gleason, who has been affected by ALS and my goodness, I can't believe he's still alive, but he is, and he tweets and everything else. But the, I guess just the the whole like aura around that team, I mean, they were never, ever any good before that. I mean, Jim Mora had a couple of years where they were decent and they were competitive, but once Peyton and Breeze kind of got it rolling and just, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough about him and, and what he's done. Now, you know, he's a human being. He's had some missteps and said some things that uh, didn't rub people the right way. But I think when you look at the t- totality of things, as he is a good guy, I think his presence will be felt for decades beyond his years in New Orleans and, and across the, the country. And uh, like I said, NBC is getting a, getting a really good dude. And I'm you know, excited to see him in the booth at some point here next season. What's going on with the Patriots, Lou? I just, <laughs> I, it's, it's really uncharacteristic. I think the, the entire world wants to know if Bill Belichick was, was body snatched or something because I think we're, <laughs> we're seeing a different dude. I mean, somebody's else. Somebody else is running Bill Belichick. He found, he found the Patriots' black Amex card and was like, hey, how does this thing work? Bang. This is so unpatriot-like. This isn't what they do. Tom Brady, look, I'm sure he could care less right now because he won the Super Bowl with the Bucks. but I'm sure from far away, Tom Brady must be saying, like, why didn't they spend with me? Why didn't they go on this shopping spree when I was still the quarterback you know, the last three or four years with Cam Newton, I mean, they're just rolling out the red carpet. I mean, they're signing signing guys left and right. And it's just so unlike the New England Patriots. I mean, this is a shopping spree. This is almost like giving a American Express to, to a woman and saying, hey, 
baby, go on Rodeo Drive. I mean, don't don't hold <laughs> okay. back. You know, easy there. <laughs> and it's a lot more money, obviously. Let's just say we'll more. give it to someone who has an affinity to spend. We don't necessarily have to make this gender specific. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, I'm a big spender as well. All right. Give me an American Express. I'll go on a Rodeo Drive. Right. As I said, he found the black card. And it's like, but the thing is, you look at the, the guys that they went after. And well, here's the first thing I, I think is this is the first time they've really ever had this much salary cap space while he's been there. Now, they have spent in the past. They went all in on a couple of guys. I was looking at the the, the Judon uh, signing from from Baltimore. And it reminded me years ago they went in all in on a Baltimore uh, rusher, edge guy, linebacker, defensive end, Adelius Thomas, and he was a great player for Baltimore. But when he got to New England, yeah, you know, mixed reviews. But they paid him a ton of cash. Some of those experiences that kind of soured them. But if you look at the guys they, they picked up, it was very surgical. And I actually like some of the moves, especially the John U. Smith move, I think, is is great. You're always going to overpay in, in free agency. I mean, there's no question. I think under different circumstances, you know, Trent Williams doesn't get, whatever, $138 million <laughs> at 32 years old. But, you know, that we'll talk about him a little bit later. But, but no, I, I kind of like what they've done. You know, a couple of receivers, not big money for Aguilar or uh, Kendrick Bourne. But if you look at the Patriots in general, they always seem to attack the middle of the field. And in the last few years, they have not had a presence in the middle. I mean, the tight ends, slot receivers, yeah, Edelman. But but again, you bring in Smith, and then you team him with Hunter Henry. And now, you know, you're going back to kind of that Patriot offense and where everybody seems to want to spread the ball and throw it, you know, horizontally, vertical, all over the, the field, the Patriots saying, okay, we're going to build from the inside out. We're going to smash mouth in, as long as you let us. And when you don't, we're going to hit you over the middle with these with these tight ends and, I guess, quote-unquote, pass catchers because they'll throw their third down back in there too, which uh, I guess would bring us to James White. I could see him easily going to Tampa Bay. I mean, don't you? I mean, if they don't bring Fournette back, couldn't you see James White? That would just be another perfect signing for Tampa Bay, right? I think getting, you know, a guy like James White, who is just a complete mismatch out there in the passing game, you know, he can split out, you know, in the slot or out of the backfield. Nobody could cover this guy. I mean, he was very effective with the New England Patriots as a undrafted free agent I think one of the best pass catchers in this league and I don't think the Bucks are going to bring Leonard Fournette back I think the price tag is going to be a little too steep for them I think someone is going to overpay and and therefore they could look at somebody like like James White but I'm not going to hold back on the Patriots hello I, I think you're being too nice here to be honest with you I just think that you're always going to overpay in free agency especially on the first or the second day guys that they're bringing in don't give me the confidence that they can compete. Let's start with Hunter Henry. Look, he's never played a 16-game season in his first five years in the NFL. He's a good tight end when he's out there, and that's a big question mark. Matthew Judon, 
you know, he's been a, a terrific player for the Baltimore Ravens. He's certainly, he, what is he, like an undrafted free agent that they developed and they gave him a franchise tag last year. But it makes me think, why didn't the Ravens fight for this? Why didn't they bring him back if they thought that Matthew Judon is one of those you know, premier pass rushers? They obviously didn't believe that, but the Patriots once again overpaid. Nelson Aguilar, man, that's a lot of money for a guy that has been average throughout his career. With the Eagles, before he went to the Raiders, his career was, was on a downhill spiral. And last year, playing on a one-year contract, I mean, what would you expect? A guy that's in, in the last year of his contract, obviously he's going to be motivated. 48 receptions for 896 yards and eight touchdowns last season. They're paying a premium price for Nelson Aguilar, but he's more like a number three wide receiver. Jono Smith, you're basically paying for potential, and it's risky when you play when you pay for that upside. I mean, what makes you think that Jono Smith is, is going to be that number one target? On this team, obviously, Hunter Henry is going to be the number one tight end if he's healthy, and Jono Smith is going to be the number two, and I get it. The Patriots were most successful when they had Gronkowski, when they had Aaron Hernandez, when they had those two tight ends, and and Cam Newton is going to be far more effective, obviously, with, with those guys in the lineup. But my problem is, Bill, last year, he invested two third-round picks on two tight ends, Dalton Keene, and then he also brought in Devin Asiasi. Basically, he's already admitting that those guys aren't going to cut it, and therefore he's bringing in two veterans that, you know, that, that could do the job. Kendrick Bourne. I love Kendrick Bourne, all right? He's played with my 49ers. He's a precise route runner. He's versatile enough to, to line up anywhere. But again, the Patriots are buying high. I mean, they're treating Kendrick Bourne. They gave him a three years, $22.5 million deal. I mean, with all due respect, I mean, he's a number three or a number four. I don't get it. And bringing Cam Newton back is probably the, the biggest mistake that the Patriots are making because Cam Newton hasn't been good for the past three or four years. I mean, this goes back even when he was with the Carolina Panthers, when he had that MVP season and he led them to the Super Bowl. That was a terrific season. But Cam Newton has been going downhill ever since. He's not the same player. The injuries have taken its toll. He's not the running threat that he used to be. And that's part of his game. He's never been a pocket quarterback. And you can't expect him to master that Josh McDaniels offense. I think the Patriots are a 5-11 and team next year. I think this is going to backfire big time on Bill Belichick. And I'm just surprised that he was willing to finally, like, you know, he's already up there in age and he's been in this league. He's been doing it for 20 years and he's always been buying low. He's always been, you know, managing those salaries. But, hey, he, he didn't hold back. And I just, this is going to blow up, Lou, in a major way. There's always that potential, of course, but I guess there, none of these contracts are, are like huge. He, like you said, I mean, they've overpaid on an individual basis, and maybe the collective is what they're looking at. Uh, they see some of these players in a much different light than you do. I don't know. I like Jonu Smith. I thought that was one of one of the better better deals out there. He's young. He's when he's had the opportunities, he's done well as a pass catcher as a red zone target, and that's really what they were missing. As 
far as Cam is concerned, again, it's not like they're paying him a ton of money. Uh, I think only like, I don't know, five or six million of, of his of his contract is, is actual salary. The rest is uh, in incentives and, and other bonuses. So there's a lot of salary cap gymnastics going on right now. I mean, you saw New Orleans get from, I don't know, whatever they were, 70 million or whatever over the cap. So they're, they're, you know, obviously today will be at the cap or a little bit under. But yeah, it's, again, you look at it, you're always going to be skeptical of free agency, but they didn't like make, you know, like the 100 million or 50 million guaranteed to someone in particular because they knew they're not one player away. Now, some of these players are getting guarantees that ordinarily you'd say, wow, that's, you know, that seems like a lot for that guy. But again, they're, they're better than the players that they currently have. And this is the market we're in. The other piece of it is, even though it's out of character for them, it's not so far out of bounds that it's going to crush them moving forward. I think some of these guys will do well and some probably won't. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. But uh, I think with this and the draft, I think they'll be better than they were this year. I don't know if they're a playoff team, but I think they'll, they'll be a better team. Cam will be another year into that system. Again, may not have mastered it to the point where Brady has, but again, they're running it a little bit different. And he did show some signs last year early on before he got sick that he was not the, the Cam of... MVP camp, but good enough to be that bridge guy. I think they are, you know, showing this aggression now may actually change their idea in the draft. Maybe they make a move up to get one of those quarterbacks, you know, for the future. Unless, of course, you know, this whole grand master plan with Deshaun going to San Francisco and Jimmy Garoppolo becoming available again. I don't know about that. But I do know that they're being aggressive. He can't stand the fact that they were horrible this year. Even though they were horrible, they still won seven games. So they're not that far away. And I don't know that any of those teams ahead of them have really arrived. Buffalo is a very good team. But again, they're a very young team. We'll see if they can kind of uh, handle the success and kind of deal with now having a little bit of a target on them as being the next team in that division. So it's still in a little bit of flux. Uh, so I will give them credit for for that in terms of improving the players. Now, again, the money, again, it's always a, a tough one because you don't know right now what the salary cap is going to be two or three years from now. We all expect it to be much higher because of these you know new television revenues coming in and everybody you know stepping up to pay, overpay for television, right? So I'll reserve judgment, but I like some of the players that they brought in. I think they're going to be better. Look, what does that smell? Smells like desperation to me. And I just never well, thought that Bill yeah. Belichick I mean, the, was... Where they're at, sure. I never thought that Bill Belichick w- was going to w- was gonna get out there and then and just spend wild like this. I, You know, I guess we've seen a certain model with him and we've gotten used to it. He never pays anyone, or especially he never pays his guys the premium. He always lets them go. And he did the same thing with Joe Tooney. Obviously, he's moved on, but... He never pays the price, and all of a sudden, you know, Bill just started giving out money left and right, and 
they would have been better off signing Andy Dalton for a year because I think Andy Dalton is a better fit for that offense than Cam Newton is. You know, Andy Dalton got what? 10 million from the Chicago yeah. Bears. Yep. That's not a good move, by the way. Going to the Bears is not a good move for a guy who doesn't have much arm strength. I mean, I, I think the wind is, is going to take some of those throws. I mean, once they play somewhere in December. But going to New England would have been a good move just because, you know, it's a short passing game. And he, he would have excelled throwing to those tight ends and, and spreading the ball around. I, I just think they should have cut bait with with cam newton who else did you like lou i mean obviously i mean no brainer shaq barrett going back to the bucks uh obviously i really like the the toonie signing maybe a little bit more than i expected but hey i mean like i said that's the market john johnson i thought kind of under the radar the safety from the rams going to cleveland i think he's going to do a really good job for them Corey lindsley going to the chargers i think that's a big move best center in the league i would think i mean outside of rodney hudson who all of a sudden, I think, as of today, will be a free agent. Not sure what the Raiders are doing there. But uh, but I like those. And then another sneaky one, I thought, were, again, a little under the radar, was Tyrod Taylor going to Houston. Yes, they ne- they do need a backup. And they were talking about, you know, no contingency plans. But, yeah, Tyrod Taylor, you know, could really be a nice person, kind of safety net to have in case they do make the, the Deshaun trade. And bring in somebody like a, a Tua or you know a high draft choice young player that they they take pending on who they trade him to the Jets Miami whoever makes the big move or um, Carolina but Tyrod would be a good you know uh, guy again the bridge guy to kind of be in between or if Deshaun got hurt if he you know they they fix things and he stays and then Tyrod so or if Deshaun <laughs> decides to hold out you've got the the veteran to come in so again not like he's going to make them a playoff team but I thought that was a, a nice shrewd move for not so much money but those uh those linemen john johnson i thought that's that's a cleveland made a very shrewd move there i I like that one yeah i agree with that i thought that was the best move in free agency just because cleveland is an ascending team they've got ronnie harrison there grant delpit who they drafted last year in the second round is coming off an injury so you don't know what you have there so you bring in somebody like John Johnson, who's a sure thing, who's been one of the best safeties in the game, has really grown into that role with the Los Angeles Rams. I, I love that move. And I like Joe Tooney. I mean, the the Chiefs got rid of, of both tackles, and I guess that's where they're going to go in the draft. But they had to solidify that offensive line. What's yeah, going on I, with the Raiders, Lou? I just I don't, I don't understand this. I mean, I don't. They, they had one of the best offensive lines the last couple and of they're years. All gone. And now they're pretty much all of them are gone. Do they think that Josh Colton Jacobs? Mil- Colton Miller, I think, is the only one left. Yeah, right. they're all they're and all I'm just, gone. I'm wondering, are they are they kind of joining the New York Jets ranks? I mean, are they thinking that they have the the bell cow running back, therefore he can find holes without you know, having the offensive lineman there, and I'm referencing, obviously, the New York Jets signing Le'Veon Bell without having right. the, the offensive line in front of him. And it just seems like the same thing with Josh Jacobs here. I mean, you spend a first-round pick on Jacobs. You want, obviously, to run the football. That's what John Gruden still wants to do and kind of ball control it and, you know, be efficient with Derek Carr. 
is this like the sign of the times that, hey, we're we're going to turn into this offensive juggernaut and let Derek Carr, you know, throw 50 times a game? But what are they doing? I mean, I just I don't understand that. I think John Gruden and Mike Mayock, I mean, they're surprising everyone this offseason. Well, you saw this in the Super Bowl. You still need a healthy offensive line to do any of that stuff, whether you run it or you're throwing it. So, yeah, I, I, they, I would like to think they have a plan. Mayock's a pretty smart guy. I wish I had something to, to offer here. My, if there was some, you know, uh, some sort of a great opinion that I could say, I just don't know. I just, I guess the the point is, is we're just now going into the official signing period. I don't know that they've really made too many moves. Uh, they they signed John Brown, uh, which again, you know, speed guy, you know, classic Raider signing there. Uh, Ngakwe on the defensive side of the ball. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what their plan is for the offensive line. You know, maybe they know something we don't. Time will tell. We'll see. I mean, the interesting thing is, I know we talked about it the last, uh, maybe last show or two shows ago, talking about these wide receivers and typically the biggest mistakes in free agency, or at least one of them, is try, you know, finding a number two receiver and paying him number one money. And I think teams are just have that in the back of their mind because so far the market for Galladay, Will Fuller, Juju Smith-Schuster, Curtis Samuel, T.Y. Hilton has been nothing. I think they probably expected offers in the $10 million plus per year category, maybe closer to 15. And I don't think teams are, are, are having it. I mean, the, the draft is full of, of young talent that they definitely don't have to pay that much for. These guys are not number one guys. And I think what's going to happen is a, a few of them are probably going to end up taking one-year deals, prove-it deals, and try to get an extension somewhere or hit free agency again next year when the cap goes up. But, uh, yeah, so far, them and the, and the running backs, which, you know, it was to be expected. But just you thought maybe it'd be a little bit more brisk, the top-end, quote-unquote, receivers. But, again, it seems like they're all number two receivers. I actually think Galladay is a number one wide receiver. I think he was really coming into his own and uh, before the injury. Um, is he going to get like a huge deal? Uh, well, I guess we'll see. I think teams are taking a wait and see approach here. I think he's the only one that I believe is is worth the the big money, just because of he, he can open the game wide open and he can be that deep threat. He can make those amazing catches out there. He's got the size. And he's got good speed. I think somebody is going to fork over the money there. Hey, I'm happy my, my 49ers are spending, though, Lou. Trent Williams, it's a lot of money. It certainly makes him it makes him the highest-paid offensive lineman in NFL history. He reached Ever. a deal yeah. six years, $138 million, and there's like $55 million in guaranteed. But I'm just happy that Trent Williams, when he came back here, he – solidified that left tackle spot and he reminded everyone that he's still one of the top blindside protectors in the game and he deserved it i'm glad that the 49ers locked him up yeah it's a lot of money but i'm glad that they locked him up because you still need to protect whoever your quarterback is going to be whether it's jimmy g or or somebody else and i'm just i'm confident that trent williams can do the job for at least the next three or four years now it's almost surprising that they didn't you know, slap the franchise tag on him. If they were going to negotiate a you know a longer deal, 
rather than let him hit the market. I think, uh, again, per reports, there were other teams involved. They were saying, like, again, the Chiefs were one of those teams, obviously a uh, offensive tackle uh, hungry team, that they were in it to the end. I don't know how much, I don't know that they would have offered this much. Yeah, it just it surprised me. And I don't, maybe that was part of the, the strategy was letting him see what was out there. And then they would kind of, you know, Say okay, we'll we'll match it or we'll top it. But uh, yeah, that's a that's a great move for them. God bless him and his family for for getting that kind of deal. And yeah, we'll see who's who's up next. Uh, Riley Reef, uh, who's who's left out there? Is, is he? Would he even be somebody worth considering? Trey Turner. Yeah, but those are guards. I mean, I, I could care right. less. Riley Reef has played tackle, but I just think he's a better guard. If yeah. you're signing him, I don't see him being the ideal left tackle. Maybe he can fill in as a right tackle, but he's definitely a guard. I want to make a prediction. I think, you know, we started talking about the Raiders. I think John Brown has more catches and more yards next season than Henry Ruggs. Yeah, I I know I'm continuing, you know, (laughs) what I started last week, but I just think that this John Brown signing is almost like a, a desperation free agent move because they know they're not going to get anything out of Henry. Well, Rice. they didn't pay him much money. I was like, was the thing is just a one year deal. And again, that's that second or third tier that, you know, the kind of the wide receiver market is coming from the bottom up. Marvin Jones signed with Jacksonville. I mean, there, there've been some, some smaller, you know, wide receiver moves. Obviously we talked about the two that went to new England, but um, yeah. And Marvin Jones in Jacksonville, that was kind of a, a, a sneaky move there. I mean, he, he might see some uh, some uptick in his game if uh, if Trevor Lawrence comes out of the gate firing. Well, Marvin Jones has always been one of those oh, underrated yeah, guys. I just mean, needs a quarterback, of, right? He was kind of lost all the time with like with Detroit Lions because you know the Lions didn't win a lot of games, so he doesn't get that much of exposure. Well, even but, Cincinnati, even Cincinnati. I mean, he was you know you had was, guys ahead of him. Yeah, he was always kind of a sneaky play. He was always kind of a sneaky guy out there. And I just, uh, yeah, I think that was actually, in my opinion, that was Jacksonville Jaguars' best move out of all the, the signings. They've signed they've a had. ton of lower-end guys. They've si- they signed like 12, or, again, now agreed to terms with, you know, they haven't actually signed them yet. But I, I counted maybe 12 to 15 players. Again, no big deals, no big, nothing, uh, you know, too many guarantees, but they're they're certainly active. Well, they have been, and they actually traded for Saints defensive tackle Malcolm Brown as well. So they, they've been busy, and we knew that they were going to be busy, right? I mean, they have the most money uh, in terms of that, and Urban Meyer wasn't going to sit back. I right. mean, he wants to put in. I a, thought a maybe they'd make team. a play for some of the, these bigger names, but yeah, again, this may just be the smarter way to go. But I do think they made a move. I mean, they needed help in the secondary, and they brought in a guy like Shaquille Griffin from the Seahawks. Yep. yep. They gave him three years, almost like forty-five million out there, and. He's been a good cornerback for the Seahawks. I wouldn't put him in that top-tier group, but if you pair him up with C.J. Henderson, you've got something to work with because, hey, the the Jaguars didn't have much up there. I mean, who do they have? Sidney Jones? Trey Herndon? They recognized the guy that they should go after, and they they attacked it out there. And Urban Meyer also gets reunited with uh, Carlos Hyde, who he coached with the now, at the Ohio State Buckeyes, I mean, he signed a two-year deal worth $6 million. So I agree with you. I mean, the Jaguars haven't, like, 
splurged except for that Shaquille Griffin signing. But overall, I mean, they've kept their dollar and they brought in as many guys as they can in order to fill up their roster. I mean, you have 11 draft picks, but when you have all that money, you need to bring in some of those top backup guys, you know, those low-end starters to kind of field a competitive team. So Urban Meyer is, is taking a sm- smart approach out here with, surprise, surprise, with Trent Baalke. Oh, my God. Uh, maybe maybe he's learned something uh, since last time he was a GM of the 49ers. So the, the Jaguars really rebuild. And, and now you're kind of figuring out that there's certain positions that they didn't address that most likely they're going to go into the draft kind of pursuing those guys like, you know, tight end or defensive line a little bit more. A couple of really underrated signings for, for the Jaguars. Well, we're still early in this, and we talked about Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry uh, going to New England. Time will tell. Let's see how that works out. But I really thought uh, Gerald Everett from the Rams would be you know, a little bit more significant in that tight end mix. He just seems to me like he's just scratching the surface of what he could do with you know, a more consistent quarterback. What are your thoughts on him? I mean, do you think do you think he's like ready to 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 make that step up and be like top of the line tight end? You know, the Rams drafted him in the second round, and obviously, I mean, they expected Everett to be that playmaker for them in the middle of the field, but he's never developed. I mean, he's never become that top tier pass catching guy. Tyler Higby outplayed. I mean, with all due respect, but he's been the, the healthier one. I think that's probably been the biggest problem for Gerald Everett is that he hasn't durability has let him down. And that's the reason why the Rams let him go. And that's why you probably don't see as much action as you probably would hope to. Potential is a scary word, Lou. It, it really is. Like if we're talking about potential for a rookie or a second year player, that's one thing. But when you've been in the league, for three, four years, and you haven't done much, that word upside potential personally scares the hell out. Yeah, I mean, you certainly in free agency would like to know what you're getting, know what you're paying for. So, you know, maybe he'll, you know, be another one of these guys with a with a shorter term, you know, lower money type deal again, hoping to to prove himself moving forward. Because again, he's still a very young player. You know, I'm surprised that I, I know that they have to save money, and this was a a money move. But I was surprised that the Titans released cornerback Adore Jackson. I realize that they saved a lot of money in doing so. I think he's a guy that, that's going to draw some interest on, on the free agent market. And surprise, surprise, John Ross is still in the league. Someone actually <laughs> still believes in him. I if mean, you can run, if you can run, you got you to play, play somewhere. There are teams that will just hoping to catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Obviously, the Giants are hoping for that. I realize it's only a one-year deal for two and a half million dollars and there's only one million dollar guaranteed but what is it with those top 10 picks that you said that can run with shorts on by the way he hasn't proven that he can he can run on an actual football field with with pads on and be that deep threat um obviously we we all remember how john ross just showed that blazing speed and indy he ran a 4-2-2 by the way and it still stands right as the record 
You in still got to catch. You got still. You still got to catch the ball. You got to get open and you got to catch it. So you got to stay healthy. Th- those are two things healthy. that he hasn't quite quite mastered yet. You can't master catching the football yet. You're a wide receiver. Ain't you just switch the corner or something if you can't catch the ball? Well, when it's the bullets, when the it's a lot different, you know, catching off the jugs gun, playing seven on seven, whatever. When those bullets fly, you know, it's just you know, different players, and that's why there's so many undrafted guys in the league. Is that you just don't know once they get to that level how these players are going to react. Yeah, you you got it. You got to work your ass off, you, and then when that red light comes on, or you know, the lights are on, the ball is kicked. It's different, you know. Then that four-three speed may not it may not matter again if you can't finish the play. And the guy that runs four-six but can get his butt open and catch the ball is going to be going to be a better player. What do you think happens with the Saints? We talked about Drew Brees, obviously his retirement. Yeah. Taysom, Taysom Hill got a massive deal just because the Saints were trying to get under the cap, and then they re-signed Jameis Winston to that one-year deal. Who do you think is the opening day starter for them? I think it's going to be Winston. I don't think there's any question because, you know, yeah, I mean, he's been there a while. They did, once Breeze got hurt last year, go with Taysom Hill. And I think that was more of, you know, Peyton and his fascination with him. But the fact that they're bringing Winston back, I think they're hoping, not hoping, but they're expecting him to win the job and be the starter. And again, I mean, it's it'll, with Jameis, it's all going to be with Kenny take care of the ball while making plays. Uh, if the function of making plays is just putting the ball in harm's way so much and just hoping it works out, then that's not going to work with Sean Payton. But if they can kind of get him straightened out and not throw it to the other team so much, you know, and it's you know, probably about 15 to 20, 20 pa- bad passes during the course of the year, if they can kind of eliminate those. He spent that time with Drew Brees, with Sean Payton, another year, another offseason. Hopefully they get some offseason work in uh, before, before training camp. I think, uh, yeah, I, th- I think he'll, he'll do well with them. You and I didn't get something right. You and I believed that Von Miller was going to become a, a cap casualty. And yeah, thought the, so. Yep. The, the Broncos exercised an option. They brought him back. They gave him a $7 million guarantees, which gives him a, a base salary of like $17.5 million for the 2021 season. So you and I didn't get that one right. Hopefully he's healthy and he can play, he can play well for him. I mean, that's... You know that's a big move for them to make. They see him every day. They know they know what's going on. Yeah, that's good. Good for him. And I, I hope he comes back healthy and plays. You know, it's even though he plays in the AFC West, and you know the Chiefs have to block him. You love to see great players play, no matter who they play for or who they play against. I was starting to mention Kyle Van Noy. What kind of value do you think he has? I mean, Miami moved off him awfully quick. I mean, they signed him to a big deal, and then they just let him go after one season. I thought he played pretty decent. Yeah, I thought he was one of their leaders, and uh, he was definitely kind of the heartbeat of that defense. He's not going to get the type of deal that he got last year, obviously, no. from the Dolphins. But I do think there's there's a premium out there for guys like him. I mean, he started off slow. His career started off slow with the Detroit Lions, and then he found his footing with the New England Patriots. Obviously, the Dolphins gave him a lot of money. But don't be surprised. I mean, maybe resurfaces somewhere with the Patriots once again. Hey, you never know. 
I mean, if he doesn't find a market, maybe he signs one of those one-year deals and, and gives the Patriots a discount, kind of a, a prove-me type of contract. I, I think there's a possibility for that. Speaking of another Dolphins player, Ryan Fitzpatrick just never seems to want to ride off into the sunset. He, he signed a one-year deal with Washington. This guy has a chance to start for yet another team whether Washington drafts a quarterback in the first round or not, I know Fitzpatrick is going to start for them. It's just, God, I mean, there's just certain guys that just stay around for like the longest time. They're not flashy. You know, they're kind of journeyman quarterback. And, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is certainly that because he, he's been with like seven or eight teams during his NFL career. But uh, once again, Washington goes with a veteran that, that can get the job done when, when called upon. Well, again, I mean, he just fits magic. I mean, teams, you know, he, they can rally around him, and he's going to have spurts. I don't think by any means Washington is done at the, at the quarterback position for the year. It's a nice, uh, I guess, safety blanket to have. Again, Andy Dalton going to Chicago, I think you're seeing these smaller deals for starting quarterbacks i think they're still heavily in the market whether they draft one or trade for one sam darnold uh, or maybe they move up in the draft he can go in and win games he can go in and run your team it's been proven wherever he goes the players rally around him they love him they they'll follow they'll follow him so from that perspective, he's a great guy to have. Now he's not going to be a full season. You're not going to get a full season of Fitzmagic. You might get, you know, six or seven games where it's Fitzmagic and then the rest is just very shoddy at best. You do need to line up with someone, and I don't think Taylor Heineke is going to be the guy. The, the starter, I guess, is not yet in the building. If they don't find somebody, then at least they've got Fitzmagic running here. Um, I just got an alert here that uh, A.J. Green has come to terms with the Cardinals. Just that, what we were saying, one-year deal, not a ton of money. I think up to $8.5 million, but uh, another weapon for Kyler Murray and playing with... Uh, New Hopkins. I mean, if this was 10 years ago, you'd be thinking, wow, this might be the best tandem in the league. But uh, yeah, A.J. Green. And we don't know if Larry Fitzgerald is coming back or not. So right. uh, yeah. that, that that could be like the, the greatest uh, wide receiver trio in the league if we were talking about, you know, five or seven years ago. A.J. Green, obviously, I think, has passed his prime. You know, the Bengals surprised me, Lou. There was one deal I wanted to talk to you before we get out of here. Trey Hendrickson, you and I talked yeah, they about tra it. basically traded Lawson for Hendrickson. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. It's the same deal. Like, Hendrickson got $15 million and Carl Lawson got $15 million from the New York Jets. Don't you think Lawson is a better player than Hendrickson? Why would you get rid of one in order to bring in another I just think Carl Lawson has more potential, and I think the the Jets got the better end of this deal. There's that word potential again, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, his his age, they drafted him. Maybe he just wanted to leave. But Hendrickson reminds me almost like as a number two receiver would, right? I mean, he's getting all those sacks lined up, you know, next to uh, Cameron Jordan. So anyway, near Cameron Jordan and the rest of that defensive line. So I don't know if, if he will be as productive without kind of that 
Batman to his Robin. And I don't know if, if Cincinnati really has that player. It was going to be Carl Lawson. So if they, they could have matched both of them together, that would have been great. But, you know, Hendrickson is, has been productive, and he's going to try hard. I don't know if he's worth that money. And, yes, I would have preferred to keep Carl Lawson, but I'm getting this. Maybe Carl Lawson wanted out of there. I don't know, because if they were willing to spend that money on Hendrickson, why not just give it to Lawson? I think my approach to free agency has always been wait and see. Don't go out there. Don't splurge during that first week or, or the first three or four days. Kind of take the wait and see approach and just try to get those guys that are a little bit more uh, cheaper and guys that you can get on a bargain. And it seems like the, the Jaguars, even though they, they were aggressive, they took that approach. And the Patriots obviously did something that's totally uncharacteristic of them. So I wish both teams well, but I just think one team is is on the upward swing and the other one is, is on a downward swing. Bring back Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. Admit to that mistake. Trade for Tom Brady. Obviously, the Bucks <laughs> won't go for that. But uh, <laughs> swallow your pride. Say sorry to Tom. Trade back for him. And uh, you'd be better off having those weapons when you have Tom Brady back there than, than having Cam Newton under center. Sue, Dominican Sue might be the only one. Be- other than that, Tampa Bay is bringing them all back. So all those drunken promises that Bruce Arians made during the parade that this guy's coming back, that guy's coming back, which I didn't think was going to happen. It, it's it's here, you know, if they bring back Sue and Fournette. But yes, yeah, sometimes drunken promises do get kept. Appreciate my partner here, Lars Kaftov, for letting us behind the curtain a little bit and letting us know that he is open to change and getting into analytics. That was really good. I was I, I was impressed. By the way, I want to I'll unveil my my top four for, for the final four. I, in the beginning, you got to do it so now. You get, and we got to get the we got to get the show up soon. Then the games start tomorrow. I'll reveal my picks. So it's really quickly the final four. I've got Baylor. I've got Houston. I've got Alabama. And then on a lot of the brackets, I'm going with Iowa. I'm going with three number twos, and I'm going with num- one number one. And there is a surprise. Obviously, I don't have Gonzaga in there. There's one bracket that I put Gonzaga in my final four, but all my other brackets have Baylor and then Houston, Alabama, and Iowa. So three number twos. Did not twos hear any Big Ten teams in there, Alex. Okay. No, I do have a Big Ten team. I have Iowa. Iowa's oh, okay. a Big Ten yeah, team. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let, let's not start a. All right. You know, all let's right. not start a debate here. I didn't hear Michigan. Or I do not Illinois, have Michigan. So I, I think panic. based on my model, Michigan is going to lose somewhere, whether it's in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. The, the biggest surprise, I think, is is not having Gonzaga in there because. One third of the people on ESPN are picking Gonzaga to win it all. But I'm going against that trend. I put Gonzaga in one of my brackets in the final four, but I don't think it's going to happen. They're, they're not going to pull off an Indiana here and go unbeaten. I think they're going to go down. And I have Baylor winning the whole thing. Yeah, I kind of I kind of like Baylor, but uh, I don't have a model. And get used to hearing that moving forward, fans. Based on my model, Alex Kaptoff, I, I, I'm smiling ear to ear. For that, uh, we got to go. Uh, we will talk to you next week. As always, on the way out, we wish you peace.